Good morning, church family, and welcome to another virtual worship experience. I first want to thank Deacon Sims for giving us our call to worship and our prayer. As you can see, we're doing something different in the life of the church. It's always good to be able to bring things into our service that add to our virtual worship experience. And as we continue to move forward with this virtual platform, you will begin to see how we bring in different members of our congregation, different members from our deacon board and other leadership uh, ministries in which we have to participate in our virtual worship experience. So we're starting off with the call to worship and the prayer, and I know you all enjoyed it and it fed your spirit and your soul. But nonetheless, I just want to announce, just in case you didn't know, this is the first Sunday in February, and you know what that means. It's Black History Month. Now, Black History is every day, and we don't necessarily need just one month to celebrate that. However, since we do have this month, we will pay homage to our history, our ancestry, and to God for how far God has brought us. Amen. It's nothing like being able to reflect on how far God has brought you so you can see where God is going to take you. You're going to hear that a little bit later on in our sermon, in the sermon today. I am preaching from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 12. Once again, that's Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 12. And the passage of scripture reads as such. It says, take care that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Let me read that one more time. It says, take care. Some translations say, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and hearing of this word. I want to start off this sermon asking one question. And that is, have you forgotten? Have you forgotten, brothers and sisters, our history? Have you forgotten the importance of the fact of thinking about and reflecting on how far we've come, how far God has brought us? Have you forgotten that it's by grace that we've come this far. It's by grace that we have all we have. It's by grace that we're able to see new days. Have you forgotten? And are you taking for granted because of all the things that we have now, because of the fact we have the rights we have now, because of all the things we're able to do, the grace of God? Brothers and sisters, have you forgotten? The text asks us the question, or the text, I should say, tells us to take care that you don't forget the Lord. So on this Sunday, I'm making sure that you haven't forgotten some of the examples of God's graces. And, and, and brothers and sisters, if you get nothing else from this message, I want you to think about the concept of remembering how far God has brought you is a reminder of what God can bring you through. Let me say that again for those that might have missed it. I said remembering how far God has brought you is a reminder of what God can bring you through. You see, I have to acknowledge during this Black History Month that I think we've reached the promised land of our ancestors. I said I think we've reached 
the promised land of our ancestors. It, it may not seem like it sometimes, but we have accomplished the desire for integration that our predecessors and forefathers fought so hard to have. We no longer see the overt white-only signs. Uh, more people of color are given opportunities because of the content of their mind instead of being ostracized by the color of their skin. Brothers and sisters, I think it's safe to say we've achieved some aspect of the dream. Now, that's not to negate situations such as Sandra Bland, situations such as George Floyd, the death of Tamir Rice, the death of Trayvon Martin, the death of Eric Gardner, the death of Alton Sterling, the death of Philando Castile, the death of so many people whose names we've heard about and haven't heard about. That's not to negate that police brutality and the and, and, and the heinous crimes done by this 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 so-called great nation brothers and sisters. That's not to negate the Flint water crisis. That's not to negate voter suppression. That's not to negate the prison industrial complex. That's not to negate gentrification, redlining, or systematic racism. I'm not saying that we've reached the promised land to negate those things. Brothers and sisters, I'm saying that it would be a disgrace to our ancestors and to God not to acknowledge how far we've come. No, it may not be picture perfect. No, it may not always look pretty, but we come a long ways. The psalmist James Weldon Johnson writes, we have come over the path with tears have been watered. We have come treading the path through the blood of the slaughtered. Brothers and sisters, not acknowledging how far God has brought us renders us susceptible to doubt what God can bring us through. Let me repeat that. I, I know that was a lot at once. I said, not acknowledging how far God has brought us renders us susceptible to doubt what God can bring us through. You see, I got to return back to the question of have we forgotten? Have we forgotten amidst all the things that we have now in our current context? Have we forgotten with all the success we've seen in black America and for minorities? Have we forgotten how far we've come and what we didn't once have and what we couldn't once do? Have we forgotten, brothers and sisters? James Weldon Johnson reminds us again about our memory and lift every voice and sing. He reminds us how forgetful that we, we might come when reaching some of the promises that God has for us on the other side of the wilderness of coming through slavery and coming through segregation. Brothers and sisters, you can remember James Weldon Johnson wrote, keep us forever on the path we pray. He said, lest our feet stray from the path where we met thee, 
Brothers and sisters, he said, lest our hearts drunk with the wine of the world, we forget thee. I said, drunk with the wine of the world, we forget thee. Maybe I need to make it plain. Drunk with the wine of the opportunity to be in places with other races. Drunk with the wine of the opportunity to have jobs that maybe at one point in time our ancestors thought we would never have. Drunk with the wine of equal opportunity. Drunk with the wine of the money that we made making more money in, 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 in this context than we've ever made in previous contexts of our racial history. Brothers and sisters, have we gotten drunk with the wine of our success and forgotten how far we've come? Brothers and sisters, in the previous verses, before you get to verse 12 in Deuteronomy 6, starting at verse 10, let me tell you what it says. It says, when the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. You know, that kind of sounds like when the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers, Martin Luther King, uh, Malcolm X, uh, Harriet Tubman, uh, so Sojourner Truth, when he swore to our predecessors, our ancestors, that we wouldn't be in bondage always. I got a little carried away that, let me tell you what the rest of it says. To give you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build. Houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide. Wells you did not dig and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Brothers and sisters, this is a reminder that although we have some of the rights in which we have, although we, 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 we have more of an equal opportunity than we've had in the 60s and 70s, although we in some cases made it farther than we've ever made it before. Don't forget who brought you this far. Don't forget who's been providing for you before you got the house, before you got the job, before you got the car, before you had all the success. Don't forget that God. Brothers and sisters, in Deuteronomy, we find Moses telling the Israelites to remain faithful to God by remembering the same God that brought them through slavery and brought them through the wilderness will protect them in the promised land. So brothers and sisters, this Sunday, I'm telling you, although we're no longer slaves, although we're no longer in, a, in the same segregated society in which we once, once were, and although we've somewhat reached the promised land which our ancestors worked so hard for us to reach, don't forget God. Don't forget the God that has brought us thus far by his grace, not by our doing. Brothers and sisters, don't forget God, but use the knowledge of how far God has brought you as evidence to how far God can take you. I said use the knowledge of how far God has brought us as a race of people as evidence 
to how far God can take us. Brothers and sisters, this makes me think of the physical fitness test I have to take annually while being in service. And as you all know, as I've talked about before, we have to do push-ups, sit-ups, and we have to do a two-mile run. Now, what's ironic about this two-mile run is there are two ways this two-mile run can be administered. Meaning, it's two ways they can give you the test for the two-mile run. I'm, I don't necessarily like running myself. However, one of these two ways helps me reach the goal of doing the two-mile run. The first way they can give you the test is they can take you to a track, an outdoor field, and you can run around that, that track eight times. And that's equivalent to two miles. I don't like doing that because I mean, you can be running and lose track of what lap you're on or, or, or whether you're on one mile or one and a half miles and you have to have somebody calling out what lap you're on and it can be confusing, it's very redundant and it can be very frustrating. However, I like the second way. It's, it's, it's something that helps the, my mind cope with the distance that I have to go. Brothers and sisters, what the second way that they can test you is by taking you out or they'll take us out along a path and they'll set up a marker which is the equivalent of one mile. So you run the distance to get to one mile and the theory is if you've run one mile, when you run back, that's two miles. So instead of you just running a complete two miles by going two miles as, as far as the distance uh, marker is set, they just mark it at one mile and running there and back gives you two miles. Brothers and sisters, I like that. Because I realized very quickly in running that one mile that how far I've come is in direct relationship to how far I have to go. Let me break that plain. Let me, let me break that down for you. That, that I realized that in order for me to get back to my car, I got to go back the mileage in which I've come. So therefore, brothers and sisters, while running this mile, don't matter how tired I get running the first mile, Getting back, going to the second mile may be frustrating, may be tiring, but I know at least I'm making my way back to my vehicle. I know I'm, at least I'm making my way back to where I started. And what I need you to take from this, brothers and sisters, is sometimes in this race called life, sometimes in this journey called life, we lose sight of how far we've come. And because of how far we've come and because of all we've experienced on the road that we travel, because of all of the heartache and hardship and frustration we've experienced by traveling these miles, traveling this road, we can forget that we've come a long ways. But brothers and sisters, sometimes you have to look back over how far you've come to remind you that you can keep going. Some far, sometimes you have to look back over how far you've come to remind you how far you need to go. Sometimes it's just that knowledge of recounting the blessings of how God has kept you on the first mile to get you through making it through the second mile. Brothers and sisters, I realized how far I had come was in direct relationship to how far I needed to go. And brothers and sisters, when we examine our history, when we look at our history, I know it's painful. I know it can be frustrating. I know it can be rather taxing, but how far we need to go is in direct relationship to how far we've come. And if we just think about a God 
that kept us through the middle passage. Think about a God that kept us through slavery. Think about a God that kept us through integration and kept us through segregation. Think about a God that has been keeping us all of these many years. That same God that kept us and brought us through those years is the same God that will keep us and bring us through years to come. Brothers and sisters, we say something here at New Morning Light Baptist Church, and I'm going to say it again right now. The joy I have, you all know what I'm saying, the joy I have, the world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away. I'm thankful for what God has done, what God is doing and what God will do. Brothers and sisters, I say that just about every Sunday. I say that every time we close a meeting to remind you that the same God that has been working then is the same God that is working right now and the same God that will continue to work. You may not receive the blessing of the promised land in your lifetime, but you can guarantee that your children or your children's children may receive the blessing of that promised land and that it's your job to plant the seeds which will manifest in their lives and in their children's lives. And brothers and sisters, it is our duty to not forget the God that brought us out of slavery, brought us out of the reign of Pharaoh, brought us out of the wilderness of segregation, and brought us into the perceived promised land of integration. Brothers and sisters, we can't forget that God. Brothers and sisters, I want to make sure we understand the context for this text. The context for this text is one that speaks to us in our current context right now. The context for this text is evident in the fact that Moses is speaking right now. Moses is speaking and he's speaking to the Israelites. And the Israelites are on the cusp of leaving the wilderness and moving into the promised land. All they have is the river Jordan that is separating them from the promised land. These Israelites have wandered through the wilderness for 40 years expecting to reach this promised land. Matter of fact, the same Israelites that were freed from Egypt in slavery under Pharaoh are not the same Israelites that are standing at the banks of this Jordan River about to cross over into the promised land because their parents were too stiff-necked. Their parents didn't have the right faith. Their parents forgot the Lord your God. And brothers and sisters, these are the descendants of the original Israelites that were freed from bondage. And now they are about to enter into the promised land, leaving the wilderness. And Moses, who is not able to enter the promised land with them, is giving them a speech. He's telling them, Brothers and sisters, I know where you came from. I know who your ancestors are. I know you have a spirit of forgetfulness. However, what I need you to do, let me read it, because these aren't my words. What I need you to do is to take care that you don't forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. He, 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 he's reminded them that once you begin to receive the promise of the promised land, once you begin to receive the blessings that come with this promise, don't forget the one that blessed you in the first place. Don't forget the one that 
blessed you and brought you over so many mountains, hills, and through the valley. Brothers and sisters, he's saying, don't forget God once you get all that you want and receive. Because brothers and sisters, he knows that these are the descendants of a people that are quite fickle. These are the descendants of a people that are quite forgetful. These are the descendants of the Israelites, the same ones that when Moses went up to write the Ten Commandments and they were worshiping and believing God when he went up the mountain to write the Ten Commandments. When he came back down after having completed the Ten Commandments, they were worshiping another God. They had taken all their jewelry and they had melted it together and fashioned themselves up a golden calf. And Moses' brother Aaron, who was known as the high priest, Moses' own brother, is now basically undermining him and is leading the worship of an idol god. Brothers and sisters, he remembers these are the descendants of that group of people. So he says, before you even get to the promised land, let me tell you what not to do let me tell you who to remember and to and who to keep in mind brothers and sisters he knows this race and group of people are forgetful but let me define what it means to forget you see i like taking time in the sermon to define simple words words that we hear every day because sometimes in hearing them so much, we forget the true intent behind their meaning. Sometimes we don't understand the severity behind some of these simple words that we use from day to day, especially in relationship to our God. And brothers and sisters, to forget means to fail to remember. To forget means to neglect. To forget means to cease thinking about. And brothers and sisters, these words should never be associated with our God. I said these words, these, the characteristics, the definition of the word forget should never be in the same sentence, should never be in the same circle with a God that has given us so much. Brothers and sisters, we should never fail to remember. We should never neglect. We should never cease to think about a God that has done so much for us. However, sometimes we find ourselves being forgetful. What I want to tell you, there's two sides of forgetfulness. You see, we can become forgetful when things get so bad that we stop relying on God and start relying on our own ability. That's one side of forgetfulness. We, we, we can get so caught up and what's happening that we stop relying on God's ability and start relying on our own ability. Then there's the other side of forgetfulness when things are going so well that we forget the source of our happiness. Brothers and sisters, it's so ironic that the source that gives us life, the source that provides us with this happiness, the source that gives us everything we need, we can begin to associate. This characteristic of failing to remember begin to associate the characteristic of neglect through forgetting to pray or forgetting to read the word of God or forgetting to to meditate on his word day and night. We can forget to think about who to call on when we need him the most. 
We can begin to fall victim to our own demise, our putting faith in other things, in other people, in other institutions, brothers and sisters. And what Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 12 reminds us is not to forget the Lord who brought us out of slavery, out of the land of Egypt. Brothers and sisters, this reminds me of breathing. Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, I'm going to tell you this. It reminds me of breathing because you can become short of breath and forget to breathe for two completely different reasons. Watch this. Have you ever heard somebody talk about a breathtaking view? Right? That you can see something that's so beautiful yet you almost forget to breathe or you become short of breath. You ever heard somebody talk about when they saw their significant other or, or saw somebody that was just so attractive or captivating to them, they just took their breath away or, or a moment that they were so excited by something that brought them joy that they just were at a loss for words and they could barely even speak or breathe. That's, that's one side of forgetfulness. Brothers and sisters, also, there's the adverse side of you can also forget to breathe when you're frustrated, when you're angry. You become short of breath. Brothers and sisters, in a, in a boxing match, when boxers are training, you can hear them making a swift breathing sound. It's a swift intake of breath as they throw punches because the, 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 the coaches have learned over time that while a boxer is fighting, that for some reason they can find themselves holding their breath. So when you see a boxer fighting, you always hear them making a noise that sounds like a and what they're doing is breathing in very quickly with each punch. And brothers and sisters, as we're fighting the enemy, as we're going through so much in our day to day lives, we can forget to breathe. Pastor, I'm not sure if I'm following you. Watch this. I'm saying we can forget to draw on the source of life, which is our breath. Which is so ironic because to breathe is something that should come natural to us. However, based off whether a situation is too good or a situation is too bad, we can find ourselves short of breath. We can find ourselves grasping for breath. And brothers and sisters, to bring it home, I believe I read somewhere, maybe in the book of Genesis, where the Lord talked about breathing the Ra'uk, which is the first breath into humanity, which is Adam. And brothers and sisters, I believe that that same breath that he breathed into Adam was the same breath that passed into Eve. And that breath passed into um, their children and their children's children. And that same breath that they breathe from day to day is the same breath that we're breathing from day to day. And brothers and sisters, what's so ironic about this is that that breath can't be manufactured meaning that that holy spirit which is known as the rauk that was breathed into the nostrils of 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 of, of, of our ancestor of adam is the same breath that we breathe from day to day so therefore there is a correlation between breathing and the spirit of god Hold up, I, I, I don't know if you caught that. I said there's a correlation between breathing and the Spirit of God. And the same way we might be forgetful to call on God, you can see in your physical body, it's the same way 
You may forget to even draw breath, which is the very source you need to sustain your life. Brothers and sisters, isn't it amazing? That when times are good and when times are bad, you can find yourself forgetting the very things that are essential to your well-being. I said, when times are good and when times are bad, you can find yourself forgetting the very things that are essential to your well-being. I'm paralleling the idea of breath being essential to your well-being and God being essential to your well-being and your salvation. And brothers and sisters, just like that breath that was breathed into Adam was, necess was necessary for him to have life, it's necessary that you have a relationship with God through remembering you what God has brought you through and to that will sustain you for how far God will take you. Brothers and sisters, we can't Forget, as a race of people, what God has brought us through. We can't be like the Israelites that were stiff-necked. We can't be like the Israelites that lost favor with God because they began to conform to the pagan lifestyle of those in the promised land. We can't be like the Israelites as they began to become more connected at, well, as we realize the Israelites were more connected to God in the wilderness. They were more connected to God in slavery than they were connected to God in the promised land. Brothers and sisters, that points out something to us. That it's sad that when we are in bondage, when we are going through calamities and trouble, we find ourselves being more attuned with God, being in better relationship with God than when things are going well. Brothers and sisters, we as a race of people were more connected to God in the wilderness of slavery, in the wilderness of segregation. And it wasn't until we reached the promised land of integration that it seemed as though we stopped going to church. Hello, I'm coming down your street and I'm turning down and, and parking in your driveway. Brothers and sisters, isn't it amazing that most of the movements, most of the rallies, most of the protests came out of the church in the 1950s, 60s, and 70s. Nowadays, we have other organizations that are pushing these different movements that are not centered in church. Brothers and sisters, we have pushed the church to the side in our communities. Brothers and sisters, we become more spiritual in a way to let go of being what we have called or deemed as the negativity of being religious. And brothers and sisters, it's amazing that now that we've reached, reached the promised land of integration, now that we've reached the promised land of equal opportunity, now that we've reached the promised land, seems as though we've forgotten who God is and what God has brought us through. Brothers and sisters, we find ourselves protesting the blessing instead of confessing to the blesser. Brothers and sisters, maybe I got ahead of myself. Brothers and sisters, we found ourselves caught up in the blessing of being in the promised land and lost sight of the one that blessed us with the promise in the first place. We find ourselves seeking salvation from the blessing rather than the blesser. 
Pastor, what are you talking about? I'm talking about when we're running around asking for institutions to validate who we are as a race of people, asking for institutions and government and, and people that don't look like us to validate our presence in the workforce, asking for these equal opportunities from people and systems, when realistically we should be demanding that God create our seat at the table in the presence of our enemies. Brothers and sisters, we should be demanding that God be the source of our strength and the strength of our life. We should be uh, thankful that our identity and our validation is rooted in Christ and in not in stereotypes. Brothers and sisters, have we forgotten? Have we forgotten the God of our ancestors and replaced him with the God of simple pleasures? Brothers and sisters, do we have such a desire to be accepted in this country and by the majority that we've forgotten? God didn't design us to fit in, but to stand out. Brothers and sisters, black History Month should be a reminder of how far God has brought us and where God can take us if we remain faithful to him. This month should be a reminder or should remind us we need no validation from anyone or from anything because our identity and salvation is rooted in Christ. Brothers and sisters, verse 12 Deuteronomy chapter 6 should be known as the terms and conditions of receiving the blessing of the promise. I said it should be known as the terms and conditions. You know what terms and conditions are whenever you buy something, whenever you get a loan or whenever you even log on to a website. There are things known as the terms and conditions. And basically what that is, is the person that's providing you the service, be it a car you bought, be it a loan that you have. They provided the opportunity for you to have these things. However, as long as you follow the guidelines. As long as you follow the terms and agreements in which you said that you would hold up on your end, they'll hold up everything on their end. Brothers and sisters, the terms and conditions are an agreement that says, I'll do my part as long as you do your part. And verse 12 is the beginning of the terms and conditions. The terms and conditions begin with saying, take care that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. If you go down to verse 16, it says, But do not put the Lord your God to the test as you tested him in Manasseh. You must diligently keep the commands of the Lord your God and his decrees and his statutes and his as he has commanded you. Do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord so that it may go well with you and so that you may go in and occupy the good land that the Lord swore to you and your ancestors. Brothers and sisters, these are the terms and conditions that God has given us. 
And although this was written over 2,000 years ago, there's a correlation between the Israelites then and our people now. Brothers and sisters, there's a correlation between these terms and conditions because I hate to spoil it for you, but although Moses gave them the blueprint, gave them the terms and conditions before they reached the promised land, guess what they did when they got to the promised land? They got in the promised land and did their own thing. They got in the promised land and started worshiping the gods of the pagans and of the Gentiles and of the people that didn't believe in God in the promised land. They fell victim to trying to conform to the lifestyle of those that were in the promised land and they didn't retain the lifestyle or worship of the one that brought them through the wilderness. Brothers and sisters, they fell victim to their own demise. This is why these same Israelites got overthrown by the Babylonians. This is why these same Israelites got overthrown by the Assyrians. This is why these same Israelites got throw, overthrown by the Persians. And then that, that the Persians got overthrown by the Greeks and the Romans. And that's why your Bible is split into two parts, the Old and New Testament. The Old Testament seems like it took place more so with people of color. And then the New Testament turns into a Hellenized version of Greek speaking believers and brothers and sisters. All of that takes place because they were unfaithful in the promise. And the irony of that is, although you can receive a promise from God, a promise from God can very quickly turn into a curse from God if you don't honor the terms and conditions. And brothers and sisters, the theme in the biblical text, the theme in the Old Testament is, as long as you are faithful to me, I will bless and protect you and make sure you prosper. But as long as you are unfaithful, when you begin to worship other gods, you will then receive curses. And your people will be scattered and you will begin to feel the heartache and the calamity of being isolated and falling victim to your own demise. And brothers and sisters, sometimes I wonder when we see some of the things we experience from day to day, sometimes I wonder if we have fallen short and forgotten the Lord our God that brought us through so much and not honored the terms and conditions. Brothers and sisters, that means that we are charged to remember. Let me define remember. Remember means to bring back. Re meaning bring and member meaning mindful. I'm breaking up the word remember. So if we break up the word remember and just take the re out, that means to bring back. And the word member by itself means to be mindful. So what we're doing is bringing back to mind the promises of God. To remember means to retain in the mind. That's why in Romans 12 it says, renew your mind. Right? It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. And it talks about with the renewing of your mind you will be able to discern what is the good and right will of God. Brothers and sisters, that's why it says in Joshua 1.8, meditate on it, meaning the word day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. 
That means we have to keep in the forefront of our mind. We have to be mindful and remember the promises of God. Remember what God has done for us. Remember how God has been faithful to us. Brothers and sisters, we can't forget. We can't afford to forget. Because our salvation, our livelihood is hanging in the balance of us remembering how good and faithful God has been to us in the past. Brothers and sisters, I would like to close with this. I'm reminded of when I talk about us forgetting and, and having our mind set on God of a story that I read about Dr. Martin Luther King. You know, that's one of my favorite iconic pastors. I feel like you can't be a, a, a pastor, a black pastor, and not at least study Dr. King, his sermons and his lifestyle and be impacted by it in some way. And one thing I like about listening to ministers, listening to pastors, especially those during the civil rights era, is how transparent they are about the struggle of maintaining a relationship with God, about the struggle of maintaining faith in God. And brothers and sisters, there was this story they call A Knock at Midnight. And in this story, Dr. King talks about how when he moved to Montgomery, Alabama, and he was fighting for the, 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 the rights of, of, of so many people. He, he was organizing and, and, and coming up with, with different organizations. And he was, he was fighting the White Citizens Council. And he's, he's fighting Bull Connor. And he's fighting Jim Crow. And he's fighting all these things. He's, he's going to jail. He, he said everything started off okay the first couple of days. But then he said as time progressed, that's when things got worse the longer he was down there. He said every day he would receive 30 to 40 phone calls. The phone would just keep ringing. And just keep in mind, brothers and sisters, this wasn't a time when you could just uh, put people on the block list. This wasn't a time when you could just reject the call. You, you didn't know who was calling. It might actually be a phone call that you needed. It might be a life or death situation where somebody needs your help. And brothers and sisters, that means every call that came to the house, you answered. And brothers and sisters, he was receiving these 30 and 40 phone calls a day threatening his life and threatening his family's life and threatening the cause that he was fighting so hard to stand for. And brothers and sisters, he said he received the call around midnight. And he said when he got this call, he answered the phone and on the other side of the phone call was an ugly voice. He said the voice said, nigga, we're tired of your mess. And if you don't clear out of this town in three days, we're going to blow your brains out and burn up your house. And Dr. King said he had heard these threats before. He had heard this type of rhetoric before, but this night it frustrated him in a different way. He said this night it unsettled him and, 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 and he couldn't quite take it the way he had been able to take it several nights and, and, and days before. He said at first he tried to sleep off the anxiety and that didn't work. He said so he then got up and went to the kitchen and tried to fix some coffee and he, 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 he thought coffee would work but, but coffee didn't ease his anxiety. Brothers and sisters, he said he then 
thought back to when he was in school and when he was in seminary and he tried to come up with theological reasons for, for right and wrong and good and evil. He tried to come up with all of these academic reasons based off what he had read from Socrates and based off what he had read from, from, from scholars and that didn't give him the answer. That didn't ease his pain. And he said he sat at the kitchen table and he began to think about all that was at stake. He began to think about the lives of his wife and the lives of his friends. And he began to think about at that time he only had one daughter. And he thought about his daughter's life being jeopardized. He even thought about the fragility of his own life. And his life being taken from them. And brothers and sisters, he said it got to the point where it was so unbearable. He even thought about his mother and father. But he remembered that they were in Atlanta, Georgia, over 100 miles away. And they couldn't help him. And brothers and sisters, he finally came to the conclusion that there was only one person he could call on. He finally came to the conclusion that there was only one name that he could call. And brothers and sisters, he called on the name of Jesus. He said... In that moment, he prayed a prayer out loud. He prayed a prayer and he said, Lord, I believe our cause is right. Lord, I believe we're doing the right thing. But Lord, I'm defeated. And Lord, I'm tired of fighting. And brothers and sisters, sometimes in this journey called life, sometimes in all that you deal with, you're going to feel defeated. And you're going to feel tired of fighting. And brothers and sisters, sometimes sleep won't be able to do it. Sometimes coffee won't be able to do it. Sometimes drugs won't be able to do it. Sometimes sex won't be able to do it. Sometimes your significant other won't be able to do it. Sometimes all that you learned in school and your education and your job and money won't be able to do it. But brothers and sisters, you can call on God. And he said when he called on God, it was like he heard a voice of something mustered in his spirit that said, Martin, stand up for righteousness. Said Martin, stand up for justice. Martin, stand up for truth. He said it was like he heard a voice in his spirit that said, and I will be with you even until the end of the earth. And brothers and sisters, what I want to remind you during this Black History Month is not to forget. I want to remind you that remembering how far God has brought us as a race of people is a reminder of how far God can take us. I just want to remind you of the sacrifices that have been made by our ancestors. I just want to remind you of the people that have died. The people that have given time, the people that have given money, the people that have given their blood, sweat and tears for the cause, for the very things that we take for granted today. And I just want to remind you that the same God that brought us through that can bring us through anything we're facing now. Look, brothers and sisters, God has brought us out of slavery. God has brought us out of sharecropping. God has brought us to the three thrifts compromise. God has brought us out of the 1896 separate but equal. God has brought us through black codes and segregation. And brothers and sisters, God will bring us through black on black crime. God will bring us through the prison industrial complex system. God will bring us through all of the issues of police brutality. God will bring us through white supremacy and systematic racism. God will bring us through all 
of the economic disparity that we're even facing now in the midst of this pandemic. Brothers and sisters, all we must do is remember how far God has brought us because it is a testament for how far God can bring us. So at this time, if there's anybody who's struggling with a relationship with God, if there's anybody who's weighed down by the weight of the world, is there, if there's anybody who's tired and frustrated of trying to do it all by themselves, I want you to remember a God that brought you through all of the hardship that you've experienced in the past can help bring you through what you're experiencing right now. And that if you don't have a church home and that if you don't have a relationship with God, you can make the decision right now to give your life to Christ. First, by confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, but believing in your heart. And that's not that easy. That's a daily process, but through the renewing of your mind and through getting connected with some believers, through getting connected with a church home that will hold you accountable, you can manifest that relationship with God and receive eternal salvation. And brothers and sisters, we offer that here at New Morning Light right now. And if you're looking for a church home, you're looking for a relationship with God, this church can't save you. I can't save you. But what I can do is bring you to the one that can save you. And that's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, as we say here at New Morning Light, the joy I had, the world didn't give it to us. And the world can't take it away. I'm thankful for what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will do. And I thank you for joining us this Sunday for this virtual worship experience. May God bless you and keep you and continue to keep you through the remainder of this week. Amen.